0: Last week, we talked about God as sort of an idea. We didn't really get at the full idea. We didn't really explore who God is specifically. We talked about God... ...there happening to be some sort of a first principle... ...or as some philosophers have referred to him ...as an unmoved mover. Something that existed before time and space... ...that brought all of this into existence. And without that something... Without something that precedes time and space, none of this happens. None of this makes sense. We recognize that nothing is its own cause. But today we get specific. And today we begin to explore that most fundamental statement of faith, a statement that Christians have been relying on for years to give substance to what we believe, the Apostles' Creed. And we come to the first article of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And within that one phrase, there is a whole world of theology, a whole world of understanding who God is. We could go through scripture after scripture that testifies to that statement. And it is perhaps the most fundamental statement of what it means for God to exist and for us to worship God. Because without God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, there's no us, there's no earth, there's nothing to get to us. And so today we have a wonderful opportunity to explore who God is. You know, within that first statement, I believe in God the Father Almighty, before we even get to maker of heaven and earth, we have a wonderful picture of who God is I'm going to go through that again... ...and I want you to pick out the most important words of the phrase. I believe in God the Father Almighty. What are some of the words? Father. Good. What else? I believe. Good. What else? What's that, Diane? God. Yeah. This first phrase is a statement. Before we even get to what God does... We have to know who God is, how he's revealed himself. And the amazing thing is, what we most often don't pick up on is the importance of the understanding of God as Father. You know, most monotheistic religions have an understanding of God as Almighty. Most monotheistic religions would be able to confess with us, I believe in God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Judaism might be able to go as far with us as to say God the Father, Almighty. But for the Christian, we can't understand anything about God unless we understand that He is Father. And what does it mean for God to be a Father? What does it mean to say Father? When you think of Father, what do you think of? It implies relationship, it implies that God is in relation to something. So when the creators of the creed decided to formulate the creed... ...and give the most basic expression of how God has expressed himself... ...given himself, shown himself to the church... ...the thing they recognize that is that he is most fundamentally in relationship. And we see early in Genesis how he is in relationship. He is in relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit... It goes back and forth between we and I when he talks about creating the heavens and the earth. Let us go and create man in our image. And so in his image, God created man. God starts as relationship. Before there's even humanity, there is God the Father in relationship with Son and Holy Spirit. And it's out of that loving relationship that God creates the earth. I don't want to get to that point yet. But what is a father? What are some of the positive attributes you think of when you think of a father? Love. Tenderness. Leadership. Nurture. Protection. That's how we should see it anyway. It's not always the way it works out. And we will talk about that in a few minutes as well. You see how intimate that first phrase is. Yeah. Abba, Father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dad, exactly right. The first phrase that the church wants to give us, the first thing the church wants us to see through the creed, is that this isn't just some all-powerful being up in the sky who decides to arbitrarily create something. This is a God who loves. A Father who loves us tenderly. And creates out of that love a world for you and for I. But there's a second part of that phrase as well, right? Almighty. And we've been singing songs about the almighty nature of God. About how we we can't even begin to wrap our minds around how powerful, how almighty he is. Power, strength, authority, and might. We just sang that in the song that we just sang. How is this manifested? How is this almighty nature manifested to us? Well, it's... Tied to the second part of the phrase, isn't it? Maker of heaven and earth. I want you to try to think about this. Try to think about nothing for just a second. Think about nothing. If I were to have you close your eyes and think about nothing, you know what I bet you'd probably think about? Darkness. But that something... Our minds can't conceive of nothing. As created beings, as people who have been created by material, have experienced our entire existence in material, have had everything given to us, we can't even begin to wrap our minds around the idea that there was ever a time, that there was ever a place where there was no time. And there was no place. And there was no stuff. There was nothing. Nothing. And the most almighty picture we get of God... ...is of God creating out of nothing. We call that ex nihilo. And we can't conceive of it. It's an article of faith. It's something that we look at... ...and it makes sense, again, going back to that philosophical God... ...that we got to last week. It makes sense that at some point that had to happen. Most scientists I know of don't believe that stuff always existed. They recognize that at some point it started... And we have to go back to that. How did it get there? And the article of faith is, God did it out of nothing. Now, there are a lot of debates in the church about specifically how he did it. And I'm not here tonight to try to press one particular viewpoint. I don't care if you believe the earth is 7,000 years old. I don't care if you believe it's billions of years old. I don't care if you believe God started it through a big bang, or if he just snapped his fingers and it was there. It really doesn't matter to me. It's not the point. The point is, without God there, none of it starts. And it doesn't matter what your scientific worldview is. Unless God there is first to create this, out of nothing, there is nothing. And so that's what we get at when we talk about the almighty nature of God. But we can never lose the reality that he wasn't just almighty. He didn't just create because he's powerful. And he didn't just create because he could, created because he loves. Somehow, within that relationship of Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father is the anchor of it, the Son and the, the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father. Somehow within that they decided we need to create. That's what love does. That's how God is. He's always looking to create. He creates new life in us. He created in the world. He does all this creating. And so to get this to very practical terms, bringing it down to something that we can easily chew on and digest, I've heard people say, I'm such a horrible sinner, God can't forgive my sins. God can't possibly overlook what I've done or do anything with what I've done. But I love how Augustine treats this in his, one of his sermons on the Apostles' Creed. He says, nobody can say, God can't forgive my sins. You say I've committed such sins as I can't possibly be cleansed and delivered from. But I reply, he's almighty. He's almighty. And if we link that almighty nature back to creation, I think it becomes very clear very quick. There's nothing God can't do. You see, what I think happens sometimes is we elevate ourselves above God. And we start to think even our sin is bigger than God. Nothing is bigger than God. And because He's God, because He's Father, He loves you. And because He's Almighty, He can take even your sins, even your sins... And cast them as far as the east is to the west. And they're no more. They're gone. And because he's creator, he not only created a world, he not only created what we see outside, he not only created us physically, but he can take these dead, dry bones, the spiritual death that lives within us, he can toss it aside, and he can breathe new life. He can create again in every single believer through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that's what happens to you in baptism? Do you know that's what happens to you every time you read the scriptures and you see the gospel laid out in front of your face? Do you realize that's what happens to you every time you receive his body and blood, Christ's body and blood? life is being given to you again. The dead, broken dryness is cast away again. We're replenished, given new life. And God is creating in us. And so God is always creating. He created a world for us. And now he creates in us, which gives us a wonderful opportunity. It means that we, too, get to live into his creative presence. We get to create new realities by sharing the gospel with other people. By sharing love with a world that needs it. By giving to people who can't give of themselves. That is the gospel message. That God loved us so much, he brought his only son down to earth to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And now he does empower us through the Holy Spirit, gives us life, breathes into us. I want to address one more thing tonight. This is rather short, but I think this, if anything, is the most important thing. Some people have a difficult time with the idea that God is Father, because some people haven't had good fathers. Some people have had fathers who were abusive. Some people have had fathers who didn't show them love. And that is a horrible tragedy. Not just because the father wasn't what the father should have been, but because as a father, we are a picture of God to our children. And I think we all recognize that. I remember growing up, watching my dad put his flight suit on every morning go into work, play ball with me in the backyard, and think, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. I don't think I idolized my dad, but I saw my dad in such a way that I was proud. And I loved my dad. But I loved my dad because of what he showed me he is. And it made, me, made it that much easier to love my Heavenly Father. And so there are some people who think maybe it's a good idea to transition God from seeing him as father to just creator or something along those lines. And I understand that. I really do. God is not a man. God is spirit. But there is a picture that we get when we speak of God as father that I think we don't get anywhere else. A human father should never use his authority to abuse. A human father should always let his children know that he loves them and that they, he is there for them. A human father doesn't ignore his children, but is in the lives of his children. And they know that he will always be in the lives of his children so long as they have breath. Or as long as he has breath. Loving fathers are a picture of God. And so my answer Is this. Let's restore human fatherhood to the divine image that it was supposed to be created in. A loving father should wield his authority lovingly as God did. God didn't just hold it over the heads of his children and say, Worship me. God created because he loved. And he creates new life in us because he loves. A loving father lets his children know that he loves them through thick and thin. And that it doesn't come as a result of anything they do or don't do. It's because you're my child. I love you. A loving father uses words that build up rather than tear down. We talked about that this morning in this morning's service Tongues of fire can be, go either way. It can either destroy and decimate, as James talked about in this morning's gospel or uh, New Testament reading, or, as the book of Acts shows us, it can create life through the power of the Holy Spirit. As people are speaking in tongues of fire, they're building up and they're taking the gospel and they're creating new life. A loving Father is not only physically present emotionally, mentally present, available to his children. And a loving father seeks to help their children, his child, find their God-blessed identity, leads them to Christ by showing them who the father really is. So if I have an encouragement to fathers, this goes for mothers as well, Let's not just talk about God the Father as though the blessings we receive are just sort of abstract. Let's live what it means to love. If you go through all of those qualities, wielding authority authority lovingly, loving your children being there, those are all qualities that God exhibits to us through creation. And so we have a wonderful opportunity as parents as grandparents, to not just allow God's love as Father to exist up there or to exist as a dry idea, but to exist really through us. And women, this goes for you as well. This isn't just a message to the men. We have an opportunity as people who have been brought to life as the Holy Spirit has created new life in us, we have an opportunity as men and women to give life to our children and to the world, to be what God has been for us, a creator, and thereby creating for the rest of the world. I want to close this evening. We're going to do this every evening over the next, I believe it's seven or eight weeks. In your bulletins this evening, there was a copy of the Apostles' Creed. And we're going to go ahead and close by reciting each week the Apostles' Creed. And this week, I want you to go through that first line, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And I hope this week that you won't just see it as another recitation of something that we say. I hope instead you'll see it as the most fundamental thing that we can possibly say about God that he created, he created the world, he created you and me, and he did it because he loves us like a father. So would you join me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.